This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. This podcast is brought to you by Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate, powered by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Kangaroo Fern is Australia's independent video and podcast management agency with the mission to help individuals and entrepreneurs to start their own podcasts and harness the power of podcasting. Book now via www.kangaroofern.com. A Kangaroo Fern production. Real up podcast syndicate. Thing we can do is just get stop and run, stop and run, guys. Push, push, push every time. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikdera tackles everything about the world of sports, especially the one close to the host heart, basketball. Updates, discussion, clarification, name it. Extra session has it. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikdera. Okay, good day, ladies and gentlemen. And after several weeks, we are back in extra session with Kiko Malikdem. And today we have a special guest. He is a former collegiate standout, played for the Aureliano Chiefs um, back and then also in the PBA D-League. He was the fourth overall pick in the 2013 uh, PBA rookie draft and played for Barangay Ginebra, San Miguel, and six other more teams. I present to you, without further ado, Mr. James Forrester. Hi, James. Thank you very much. Hi, thank, you. thank you for having me. That was a, that was so, a nice intro. Thank you. Yeah, James, how are you doing right now, now after you left the basketball scene in the Philippines? Um, how am I doing? Uh, for the sake of the podcast, and you know, I don't want to, you know, be uh, fake or anything to be authentic. It's been, it's been rough, and I know I'm not the only one um, who's had a pat, you know, a rough past mm-hmm. couple of years. You know, COVID, COVID kind of changed the the scene for everyone. And, um, you know, as much as I, I've been going through some, a little bit of trauma on my own, I, I kind of wish for everyone else who's listening to this, hope they're, they're all okay. And, um, you know, just, just overall, everything is good. I got my health, I have my family, everyone is okay. So, um, everything is okay. Okay. So g- good to hear that. Now you're, you're in United States or Canada right now? I'm in Canada. I'm in Toronto, Canada. Ah, I see. So, everything is doing fine there, you know, trying to pick up pieces back again. Um, well, yeah, I've been kind of, uh, you know, freelancing and post basketball, I've been dabbling in like a little bit of coaching, some training, uh, the youth players here. Um, and, uh, that's the way I stay around the game. Uh, but besides that, I'm just focused on raising my son, uh, being here for my family. And, um, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I see. Now let's try to go back, you know, to the past, you know, how did basketball journey began for a James Forrester? Ooh, basketball journey. It's not, uh, it wasn't like most, uh, professional hoopers are, you know, mm-hmm. most of the stories are, they began when they were young and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for as long as they could remember, they had a basketball in their hands. It was more so, uh, I was playing around with different sports and, uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was a teenager where I started to really fall in love with basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that, uh, well, what really 
did it for me is just imagine a kid from um, moving from Manila from the city into the province. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, city life compared to the suburb province life is, is different. And that's what it was like for me in Toronto. Uh, I was living in downtown Toronto and uh, my parents made the decision to move me up into the suburbs. Um, so there wasn't a lot going on there. Uh, so I kind of, you know, to, to pass the time, I started playing basketball and, mm-hmm. um, that's how I began to, to fall in love with the game. I just started playing and out, outdoors and that's where the love began. I see. Now, uh, who was your basketball, who, who was a basketball player that you look up to growing up? Uh, growing up is definitely Vince Carter. Um, a lot of Canadian, <laughs> a lot of Canadian players will tell you that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but it's true. It's just because it, it, basketball wasn't that big of a sport. We're, we're from Canada, so there's a lot of hockey lovers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and you know when Vince Carter came onto the scene in 2000, you know that show. You know it wasn't just Toronto; it was the whole world that saw that. So um, for us, especially in, in the city, it, it created such a good vibe and, and energy that um, I couldn't help but watch. And you know, on a nightly basis, I was kind of spoiled because we could watch this guy perform all these amazing things. And, um, yeah, just watching how, you know, his artistry and how he was playing, uh, inspired me to, to really pick up a basketball and and start doing, emulating those things. I see. So how did you come to the Philippines? You know, was there an invite or a tryout because, you know, uh, for your height around six to six, three, you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're a tall player already. And of course you, you will be scouted, you know, by a lot of scouts, to play for different schools. How did you decide to go to the Philippines? Um, well, the, the decision came, uh, well, I was, I was working, I was finished with school and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was, uh, I was for, for a small period of time, I was kind of done my basketball journey. I, I felt mm-hmm. like this is prior to moving to the Philippines. I was working at a credit card company named American express and, um, I was behind a desk and, and, you know, <laughs> I was living the nine to five life. Um, and I remember me disliking it so much. And I was just like, you know what? Um, you know, I'm still, I'm only 21. I still have a lot of time, uh, to work and do this. Let me put all my eggs into one basket and, and pursue basketball. Mm-hmm. I was always aware about the scene in the Philippines. Um, mm-hmm. so I decided to call my Tito who is friends with, uh, Danny Espiruto. Oh, okay. He's, yeah. Um, big time agent. His yes. son ended up being my agent, Marvin Espiruto Marvin, and, yes. uh, and, and Matthew Manitok. Um, so it kind of connected that way, but, uh, what really where I was scouted was in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. There was a Pinoy basketball tournament going on mm-hmm. and our team from Toronto, they were there in Houston playing in the tournament. And Leo Isaac was there um, at the time. He was the head coach of Arleano and it, you know, the rest is history. He recruited uh, myself and another Phil Canadian named AJ Sergio. And, um, and yeah, we were, we were there within two, three months. <laughs> now, <laughs> Tell us about your first experience of playing basketball in the Philippines. So how was it different from the games that you played back there in the, in, in Canada? Mm-hmm. Um, the physicality was, uh, you know, probably <laughs> first and foremost, a lot of players would, would, uh, would speak on that. It's a different 
basketball is beautiful because you know every country has their own style of play i would i would say um in north america it's a very fast pace uh Mm -hmm. you know there's there tend to be more athletic players and i was fresh out of img so i was used to i was playing point guard Mm -hmm. um and i'm used to playing with you know six seven six eight guys on the wing uh running and dunking and stuff so when i came to the philippines i had to change positions um (laughs) you know because i was uh you know, there's a lot of point guards. I couldn't play point guard. So <laughs> yeah. there's a, I had to change my position to a small forward, a shooting guard, small forward. And, mm-hmm. um, but it, it was an adjustment period that, you know, for obvious, obviously I, I was able to get over the hump, but, um, but it was a struggle adjusting to the Philippine game. Mm-hmm. I see. Now, um, of course, you know, be, being in, the, being a field foreigner, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when you caught, when you came to the Philippines, uh, of mm-hmm. course, you've been a target by a lot of, you know, Filipino players. So how do you react to that when you play games against them? Um, yeah, I could, I could speak a lot about the the differences between a local and a full foreigner. Um, I, I liked it for the, on the competitive side, uh, you know, it, it brought out a lot of, uh, I mean, basketball is a competitive sport. And, um, so for the competition wise, Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, it was it was nice to see, you know, well, you know, guys wanted to make me look foolish or they wanted to yes. kind of embarrass me on the court and <laughs> and vice versa. I was trying to do the same. So um, in, in I appreciated it because, you know, nothing worth having comes easy. Right. So it was mm-hmm. it was fun to, to go through that process and, mm-hmm. you know, get the bumps and bruises in the beginning. I see. Now, um well, you you after you know you playing for the for in the Philippines, you know, mm-hmm. um, I read somewhere actually that uh, you were supposed to go to Ateneo in college, but you opted to play for Aureliano University mm-hmm. or Aureliano Chiefs. So what was the reason for the change of heart? Um, so I'm I'm glad you asked me that question so I could mm-hmm. like clarify things. Yes. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't like. I had Ateneo and Arellano and I chose Arellano over Ateneo. Yes. Um, it was, it was different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in 2009, I had come to, I made a visit to the, to the Philippines and mm-hmm. um, I was trying out for teams. Yeah. Um, probably the, the, the best schools I, I tried out for Ateneo, LaSalle, San Beda and Baste. Wow. So, Chen, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, traditionally they were the two best teams in NCAA, the two best teams mm-hmm. in UAP kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, I made a pretty good impression mm-hmm. and I was, uh, you know, I was being recruited by coach Norman black. Okay. Who's the head coach. And, uh, I was there when, uh, Raba Alhusseini was there, Kirk long, uh, wow. <laughs> Eric, Eric Salamat. These are the guys I was practicing with Jai Reyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I attended maybe a week's worth of practice and I was mm-hmm. doing well. And I was going to, uh, make the, I was going to make the decision to go to Ateneo. Um, mm-hmm. but I had come, I'd briefly gone back to Toronto and I came back home mm-hmm. and, uh, I had a change of heart. I, I felt like there was still time for me to play division one basketball in the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still trying to follow my dream and, and try and make the NCAA and, mm-hmm. uh, do the route here in North America, but, um, it didn't work out. And I obviously ended up back in uh, the Philippines. And, um, so it was about a year or two later where I made the decision to go to Arleano. Mm-hmm. Under Coach Leo Isaac. 
Yeah. So there was a little bit of time in between each one. The Ateneo offer wasn't there anymore, obviously. And so mm-hmm. I just took Arlieto because they were the ones that recruited me. I see. Now, uh, you said earlier you played for, you know, IMG Academy, which is known mm-hmm. uh, for producing lately uh, great mm-hmm. basketball talents. So what, how was that experience, you know, playing for a known school uh, like IMG? And then uh, did you, uh, were, were you able to play with other, you know, known basketball players during your time? Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, it, it was very, very different for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I could probably compare it to when like, you know, a Japheth Aguilar came to the States and a uh, Coco, you know, Kobe Paras coming to the States because as a Canadian, I know, I know sometimes it's easy to mix together to two, but, um, it's still two different countries. I had never been to the U S to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very used to Canadian, uh, basketball scene. So mm-hmm. it was my first time playing uh, basketball in the U S and I was pretty excited. Um, and there was, uh, you know, as you know, they've made a, they made quite a name for themselves now, but at mm-hmm. the time it was still, uh, it was still flying under the radar. You know, they knew that it was a really good prep school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the alumni that, that came right before me was Dwight Powell, who plays on the Dallas Mavericks. Now, um, mm-hmm. the player that, that, that I was teammates with, uh, is a guy named Deandre Daniels. I don't think he was the biggest name there. At the time, he got drafted by the Raptors in 2014. Um, but probably the biggest name that when I was uh, when I was at IMG that I trained with, and um, I was really like starstruck uh, was Steve Francis. And Steve Francis, old school player from uh, you know from the Houston Rockets, his days there. At the time, he was probably the most athletic point guard. You know, this is before Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook, and obviously John Morant now. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that time. I thought it was really eye-opening and exposed me to a different kind of basketball that elevated my game. I see. Now, which part of your family can we trace your Filipino heritage or roots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom. My uh, my mom was oh, born and raised in uh, Ordeneta, Pangasinan. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I, I have a lot of family there, the Purinas family. Mm-hmm. Um if they're listening to this, I love you all. I miss you guys. It's been two years. It's been very long, but yeah, my mom, uh, it, it comes from my mom's size. And I was, I was raised very, uh, very Pinoy. My yeah. father is, uh, is from a Caribbean country, but, uh, in the household, happy life, happy wife, happy life. Right. <laughs> yeah. So my mom was kind of in control of the household a little bit. <laughs> uh, so we always had white rice. I, I lived a pretty <laughs> Pinoy upbringing. Um, I so I loved it. <laughs> now, did, don't you get, you know, sometimes, you know, being a Phil foreigner, uh, there mm-hmm. were, there are some, you know, uh, sex sectors who questioned mm-hmm. your eligibility, you know, when mm-hmm. you came here, Absolutely. D- didn't you get tired, you know, uh, explaining to them that, Hey, I'm a Filipino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it becomes very tiring always having <laughs> to, to prove, uh, you know, what you are, I am, this is what I am. I'm, I'm Filipino. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time I am Grenadian at the same time I'm Canadian. Yeah. Uh, that's just the life that was chosen for me. I, I, I can't help where I was born. I can't help who mm-hmm. my biological parents were, but this is what I am. And, um, I felt a lot of the times that it was kind of like, uh, the, the downside of me because, uh, you know, I shouldn't feel this way, mm-hmm. but 
you know, sometimes I would feel like, oh, man, what if I was uh, what if I was a full local? I wonder how things would be. And I'm pretty sure a lot of full foreigners, you know, go through a stage where it's kind of like you don't feel the, the you don't feel like a, a full Pinoy. And you don't get treated like a full Pinoy. And uh, it was very it was very frustrating. But at the same time, uh, I was understanding. Um, and although some days it got the better of me, uh, at the end of the day, I, it is what it is and you can't really change that. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how it was. Now, was there something that you wish you could have changed during your collegiate years? Hmm. Changing the collegiate years. I, mm-hmm. I really wish we made the final four. Um, I know I, in my second year at Aliano, there was a, there's a lot of, there's big expectations cause I had a pretty good rookie rookie season. Yes. Um, <laughs> Where, you know, there was a couple of, most notably, I remember there was a game where I, I snapped against um, San Beta mm-hmm. at a pretty good game. Um, so, you know, we kind of had a target. Arliano knew that they, they knew that we had talent. Mm-hmm. We had John John Pinto, Prince Caporal, who are yeah. both now hit, every, you know, Jen Kings. Um, <laughs> Levy Hernandez. We had Keith Agovita. We had a, yeah. you know, Dodong, Gio, Gio Halalon, the bus yes. driver. We had a lot of good players at Arliano. And um mm-hmm. So what I would really want to change, uh, mm. and this is something that was out of my control. I wish that I, I hadn't, I've gotten injured. I wish I was taking care of my body enough because in mm. my second season at AU, uh, I suffered a meniscus tear. Oh yes. yes. And, um, so that knee injury really enabled me to play at my you know top potential, um, mm-hmm. I was really inconsistent. I remember there was games where I would have a good game and then the next game, you know, held to single digits and it was really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that my last season at AU, I wish mm-hmm. uh, I had more control of health and the way things were going. So we could have made a final four push, but uh, fortunately we didn't, but uh, that's how it goes. Yeah. Can't really dwell on it. <laughs> now you decided to enter, you know, the professional level in 2013 after your second year with Aureliano, and then yeah. you were picked fourth by Baraco Bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, then was traded to the, you know, the the popular team Barangay Never San Miguel. Did you expect yeah. that you will fall in the hands of the league's most popular team? Uh, no, I was as shocked as everybody else. <laughs> um, Mind you, I do mm-hmm. behind the scenes. I did know that I was going to be drafted there maybe a day or two before, mm-hmm. um, before the actual draft. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I didn't really know. I knew I was going to go, uh, maybe in the first round. Mm-hmm. I remember there's, well, there's a lot of players. There's a, there's websites that, you know, have uh, mock drafts and stuff. So mm-hmm. I remember I saw a mock draft and it consistently, it had me at eighth going yes. to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I always, in my mind, I thought I was going to be maybe eighth or maybe I might drop to the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, luckily enough, mm-hmm. uh, I I'm, I'm pretty sure it was because of how I performed in the, uh, in the draft combine is mm-hmm. what kind of boosted my stock. And I ended up becoming a top five pick. I see. And then, uh, you played for coach John Uchiko or uh, coach Al Francis Chua? No, no, it was Ato. It was coach Augustine. Oh, okay. I see. And then. After that, uh, like like what you said, you you didn't expect to be drafted early. And then, mm-hmm. what was your initial reaction? Because you know, after Greg Slaughter, mm-hmm. you know Ian Sangalang, you know they they were those big names. Did it put some pressure on you to 
to perform? You know, expectations were high when you got drafted. Did this affect your performance? Um, it uh, initially in the beginning, it didn't affect my performance. I think mm-hmm. midway through the season, after uh, all the D and you know, you know, not being able to play in the games and, and the DMPs, those are those those are the things that that hurt your confidence because. Mm-hmm. You perform well in practice um, and you think that, you know, you're performing well enough to get some minutes. But um, when you don't get minutes, it, it's kind of demoralizing. And I was a young player, right? So yes. I didn't understand the seniority. I was eager. I was very, very. And that's very natural for a young player. You're eager to to play on, you know, mm. to get on the court and play and show your stuff, especially for a team like Hanebra. Like, come on now, everybody wants to. <laughs> to put on for the Hanebra faithful and the Hanebra mm-hmm. crowd. So, um, it was frustrating. There were times I, I struggled with my confidence evidently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I was able to overcome that and the confidence issues, I think, uh, weren't too much of a factor later on in my career. It was just other things. So I see now, uh, during the time, in Hinebra, you know, was in a coaching testing mood. You know, how yeah. was the adjustment, you know, uh, to the different coaches and whose system, you know, did you like the most? Man, I had a, to start my, my, my career, I had a different head coach, every uh, conference, <laughs> <laughs> um, they were, they were truly testing out, uh, different coaches. Mm-hmm. I had Atho Augustine twice, mm-hmm. um, you know, Frankie Lim, that's who, uh, was the head coach when I got traded, but, mm-hmm. uh, the coach that I felt the most comfortable with and who I loved the system was, uh, coach Jeff, Jeff Cariasso. Yeah. Um, I thought he was a, he was a pretty good coach. Uh, he, he's a very good communicator. He was obviously mentored by coach Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, so he took a lot, he, you know, he, he took a lot out of coach Tim's book and, um, tried to implement it on the Hanebra roster at the time. Um, I just think that there is a little bit of a respect factor in terms of, uh, some of our, um, veteran players and coach Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's, that's how it, it all came out. But, um, but yeah, I love playing for coach Jeff and, and I felt really comfortable playing under him. I see. And then during the 2015 season, you saw yourself, you know, change uniforms for the first mm-hmm. time, uh, after the trade to the Barako Bull, what was your feeling once you heard the news that you're being swapped or traded? It wasn't uh, it wasn't shocking because uh, I don't know if this is out there or not. But um, I requested the trade from Hanebra. I uh, oh. I was um, I was pretty uh, frustrated sitting on the bench. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there was even some of my veteran teammates even advising me, "Hey, you should." you know, you should ask for a trade. You're, you're too good to be sitting on the bench here. You should ask for a trade and get some playing time somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I took some of their advice and it didn't work that well. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I tried to respectfully, um, ask for a trade mm-hmm. and, uh, it's something, yeah, that's probably something I regret. I should have kind of stuck it out and, mm-hmm. um, you know, tried to, to pave my way in Hanebra, but, uh, like I said, when you're young and you don't really know any better, mm-hmm. uh, I was listening to my veteran teammates and at the same time I was eager to play. I, I kind of envisioned myself going to another team and playing and getting playing time. So that was the idea, but, um, yeah, that never worked out. So, 
Uh, was I too shocked when I heard the news? Initially, I thought it was a relief. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought I was going to Brocco Bull and I was reunited with Coach Koi Benal, who was my mm -hmm. college coach. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my mind, I thought things were going to be okay. Well, this is let's let's go. It's time to play. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't the case at all. Um, I was once again on the bench, and uh, yeah, so yeah, that's what that's what kind of kind of happened. Now trades are part of the PBA business, you know. You were traded mm -hmm. three more times. Did this trades make your confidence shrink or did you still believe that you can still make a splash? I still believe I can make a, a big splash. I was just mm -hmm. uh, confused, very confused as to mm -hmm. why uh, nobody wanted me. Because like, obviously, when you get traded that amount of times, you start to, the human side of you mm -hmm. starts to be like, well, why aren't I good enough? Like, what else do I have to do? Mm -hmm. um, on those teams, I, you know, I, I thought I was putting in the work. Um, I thought I was performing well in practices uh, to earn some playing time. But um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it just wasn't the case. So it, it was confusing. There's a lot of times I was, you know, I, I, I was doubting myself, but um, I still knew that there were brighter days ahead. I, I always tried to manifest that, okay, uh, the future will be better. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get into the right system. I just need to do my part and work hard. And, mm -hmm. um, eventually the, the right things will happen for me. Um, unfortunately I'm, I'm not too sure if it didn't, it, it, it did or not. And, uh, so that's how it, that's how it went. Of course. Now of, of the teams that you played for, who did you like playing for? I mean, for the teams that you didn't play for, if given a choice, which team would you believe would have given you the confidence? So this is like a two-part question. So which which yeah. teams did which ones did I like and which ones? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the, of the teams that I played for, um, mm -hmm. for obvious reasons, my, my a lot of my memories um, are from Hanebra, My first two years in the season of uh, my my career. Mm -hmm. um, so I really enjoyed my time at Hanebra. Uh, and then later on. Um, when I, this is later on, uh, in my career, I, I had ruptured my Achilles in the ABL playing for, uh, Formosa dreamers in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And I was, uh, I had a stint at, uh, talk and text. And, uh, I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty good environment as well. Uh, just mm -hmm. to see the structure. I felt like things were working in full circle. because although I didn't go to Ateneo, I was here practicing at Ateneo and, uh, being around that, uh, that system. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I really enjoyed myself there as well. Um, for the team that I think I probably would have had some success on was Alaska, the team that I thought I was going to get drafted to. Oh. Um, so Alaska, uh, I, we had actually during the draft, we had a verbal commitment. Uh, one of the coaches had come up to me and said, Hey James, we are drafting you um to alaska if you're if you're around it by then but um but yeah that's i was i was got fourth to Hinebra and then the rest is history i see you would have said sayang right? sayang sayang talaga <laughs> now uh who was the player that you were close with when you went up with the pros to the pros i mean oh um as you know, I've played for a lot of teams, so I've, I've been mm -hmm. close to a lot of different teammates. Um, mm -hmm. When I was at Hanebra, since I was obviously drafted with Greg, um, we were batch mates and, mm -hmm. you know, we had a, that's a bond that like, you know, that will take for the rest of our lives. You know, I'll, mm -hmm. um, I still keep in touch with Greg, uh, Chris Ellis, mm -hmm. who was there. Um, 
And when I was on Hanebra, we were, we were pretty close. We were the younger players and, um, you know, we had communist interests. And so we started to gravitate towards each other. Um, so I was close with them. And then later on through, um, my career, uh, I was close with a lot of teammates, but later on I started when, when Matthew Wright came into, uh, came to the PBA, um, we had known each other uh, in Toronto, but yeah. this was the first time mm-hmm. we had actually gotten to spend time and get, actually get to know each other. And mm-hmm. we were kind of, you know, friends from the, from the beginning. So, um, I would say later on in my career, me and him, that that's, that's my boy. But, um, once again, I had a lot of, a lot of teammates that, that I enjoyed my time with much love to all my teammates. <laughs> now, was there anyone that, you know, during the time that you hated facing on the basketball court? Was it because, you know, be of him being rough or you had really had a hard time playing against him? Um, this one's tough because I, I didn't play enough to actually have like these kind of scenarios. Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm-hmm. most of the time I was on the bench wishing I could be on the court and playing this guy or, yeah. or this guy. Um, so from that standpoint, I think I, I feel like I was more of a spectator, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, in terms of physicality, I remember there was one game where I got hit with a screen by Bo Belga, and he's known, obviously. <laughs> Whereas, you know, <laughs> um, Mr. Extra Rice, that was, yeah. you know, it's like running into a wall. So uh, he was, he was somebody that I knew he was going to hurt me. He were, he was going to try and hurt me when I'm, when I was going to play, but uh, I played, I, I was, I was able to, to, to play against Rainer Shine a couple times. And mm-hmm. so he's, he's probably the most physical player. Everybody knows that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but during practices, you know, mm-hmm. who, who, who uh, did you have a hard time, you know, defending or playing with? You know what? I have a great story during, during my tenure at Hanebra, mm-hmm. JJ Helterbrand, um, I thought was unreal. Mm-hmm. He, he he was uh i want to say he was his late 30s at the time already mm-hmm. when i when i got there um yeah. but his speed was there his jump shot was automatic and, and pure uh you know he had a crossover i hadn't seen before mm-hmm. um so i had a tough time guarding guarding jj and jj rightfully so trying to bring out the best in me as you know he's a he's a veteran player and he's trying to and make the best out of the rookies he would go at me every time in practice because we we're battling for minutes too yeah so it was it was it was very eye-opening and it was kind of like a welcome to the league welcome to the pros but mm-hmm. um kind of moment for me uh when i battled jj um but not that's not to downsize like what mark was doing in practice as well like i would get it from both of those guys yeah. <laughs> um you know mark I've never seen a floater like Mark was at baseline yes. floater, uh, and and his mid range game. I haven't I hadn't played against guys that that could put the ball in the basket as well as they did. So, um, I'm very grateful for my time at Hanover and playing with those two guys. Yeah. Yes. What was the fondest memory of you playing? I mean, I mean, of your playing years in the PBA. Um, my fondest memories. Uh, my fondest memories are the like you know the road trips, uh, interacting with fans you know at away games because you get you get love in manila but it's when you go to the province um you know the people that don't get a chance to come to manila and watch games um those those are the ones that you know the energy that they give and the love that they give to pba players it's really it was overwhelming and it was really nice so um i loved uh you know being able to see the fan base and and see how fans love the game of basketball um 
and also like the camaraderie. I, I, I enjoyed being in a team setting. I loved, uh, you know, coming to practice every day and seeing my teammates and, and chopping it up. But also at the same time, we're all trying to work for a common goal and we're all trying to win basketball games. So, um, just everything, everything about, you know, playing basketball professionally yes. in the PBA, uh, it's hard to just really single it down to one because I have so many good memories. Yes. Now, do you still keep tabs on what is happening uh, with the league right now? Uh, loosely. I I mean, I just know as much as uh, social media gives me. Like I, mm-hmm. I follow the Instagram account. So I, I follow scores. Um, I follow my friends. Like I see how my friends are doing in the mm-hmm. league. Like Kelly, Kelly Nabong on Blackwater has been injured for a long time. Um, yes. Uh, so I try to follow up on him. I try to, obviously, Matthew Wright. Um but, uh, but yeah, besides that, it's, I, I don't, I, I'm not able to watch games or anything. So it's kind of tough to, to keep up with what's going on. Now, during your time in the PBA, who was the player that caught your attention? Because he is real good. Now you, you have already said JJ Helterbrand, but for other teams, mm-hmm. uh, which caught your attention because, you know, when he played basketball, you would be, you know, your, your jaws would be dra- dropping in awe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Stanley Pringle. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, he's in the neighbor right now. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a good one. Stanley. Um, yeah, Stanley was, uh, he's on the level of Mark and JJ in terms of mm-hmm. like he, he can get, he could score the basketball so easily, so quickly. Mm-hmm. It was actually my tenure at global port where that was a real dynamic backcourt. Um, so I played with him and Terrence. Yeah. Um, and Terrence Romeo is another player. Like, he is so crafty with the basketball. He is, he's really good. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are mad that I was drafted ahead of him, but <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't draft myself. Right. So, yes. um, but yeah, he, he's, he's somebody that was worthy. Like uh, Terrence has a skill level. He could have gone first overall. It's just that mm-hmm. that's just the nature of the business. You want to get big, big men because they're, it, it's rare to get big men. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, I would say Terrence Stanley, Jason Castro was like my idol. Um, mm-hmm. He was a veteran player who was on another team that I really admired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved actually being his teammate. He's very quiet. Uh, so I, I couldn't really ask him a lot of questions, uh, but, um, but I learned a lot just from watching him, mm-hmm. how he prepares and how he plays the game. Um, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I was fortunate to, to be around a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. Now, of course you said you, you didn't get to play a lot, but you know, mm-hmm. In your opinion, who was the best defensive player during the you know, in the time that you were in the PBA? Um, best defensive player, I'll give it to those guys in Rain or Shine. I know Gabe, Gabe Norwood is uh, <laughs> very, very solid defensively. Even for Gilas, mm-hmm. that's what Gabe is known for. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he does his homework. He knows... Uh, you know, players' tendencies in a league like the PBA, we see each other so much. We play each other so much, you know, tune-ups, games. So um, you get you get a lot of chances to study everybody's talents and games. So, but I thought Gabe did a very good job um, of studying players and, and knowing their tendencies and doing well. Now, what was your um, biggest regret in your basketball career? Biggest regret. Uh, my biggest regret is, uh, uh, besides I said earlier, um, asking for the trade from Minebra. I, I, I wish I was a little bit more patient, um, mm-hmm. 
and didn't kind of lose my cool and and lose my composure and uh you know kind of i made a decision without really thinking kind of thing mm-hmm. um i i let my emotions get the best of me mm-hmm. uh and that's that's kind of one of one of my biggest regrets um but overall overall my biggest regret is not being able to display my uh my talent because um i know myself i know what i'm capable of doing on the basketball court i i know i'm a very very exciting player to watch um and i'm i just feel i yeah i feel bad i I'm, and i feel bad about not being able to showcase that on uh in the pba level and for the pba fans i see do you still hope that you would be able to come back in the philippines to show everyone your skills because you know you're still in your early 30s and we see mm-hmm. players in their late 30s still you know playing ball mm-hmm. um of course yeah i uh I have, you know, technically I'm, I'm retired, but mm. like you said, I I'm in my early thirties. Um, and PBA is not, <laughs> they're, they're not, it's not, they're not, uh, new to guys coming, you know, retiring and coming back <laughs> to play. Yeah. Uh, that's happened a few times, even <laughs> when I was there. So, um, yeah, I, I think just at the time I really had to take a break from basketball. Um, I think I was mentally Uh, emotionally everything just drained from everything and um you know there's a couple traumatizing events that happened where i was kind of i i just wanted to be home um and so yeah that's uh that's that's pretty much how it goes if if the opportunity ever arose or ever arises then i would uh, i would consider it but it would have to make sense right i yes you know for for my family everybody is kind of getting their feet planted here And, uh, it's not just, you know, you can't just wave money and say, you know, come over, come <laughs> over. It's a, it's a big decision now, especially that, you know, I have my family to take care of. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I would be open to it because I still love basketball and I could still play this game at a high level. Um, like it happens quite often when I play basketball here in Canada and then mm-hmm. people ask me like, why don't you play anywhere? And I said, well, I did, but Um, but I get that a lot. They, people are always telling me like, you should go play somewhere because you're that good. I don't know why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Now, how about, you know, if teams offer you to make a comeback, let's say in the PBA, but not as a player, but part of a coaching staff, would you, mm-hmm. would you consider that? Um, I would consider that. I never really saw myself as a coach, but, uh, mm-hmm. knowing myself, Uh, you know, as I've gotten older and I, as I matured, I know that I could probably do a pretty decent job. Um, I've done a little bit of basketball coaching here while I've been in back home in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. but it's nothing at the professional level. Uh, I I've never really envisioned myself becoming a coach, but mm-hmm. of course, if the opportunity was there and if somebody asked me, I would of course consider and, um, weigh out the options and, and see what's good. Now, uh, you said earlier you you have a child right now. Mm-hmm. And then would you encourage him to, you know, to f- to find his skills or to to encourage him to play basketball when, once he grows up, especially with your your, you know, what you have experienced, you know, your um yes. Of of course. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, because of my experience, I feel like he would be more well prepared. Right. Mm-hmm. I would just give him, um, as much advice as I, I can. Um, mm-hmm. but rightfully so I, um, you know, my son is, he's, he's here and, uh, 
I still want to try and, um, you know, kind of nurture him and, and see what he wants to do. I, I, I bring him to basketball. Actually, I have, I'm bringing him to basketball practice tomorrow. He's only four. So he's already starting earlier than I did. <laughs> um, so we'll see what he picks. I I'm, I'm not going to, uh, <laughs> force him to play basketball. He has to fall in love with the game by himself. And, um, and of course we'll see, I'm excited to see what he's able to do. I love my son so much. Okay. Now, Before we end the program or the podcast, you know, I'll be give I'll be giving you some names. Now, uh just give me one word to describe the person mm-hmm. or let's say like more of word association. Uh okay? So let's start uh let's start with this list, okay? Just a few names. Coach Norman Black. Uh very tactical. Mm-hmm. Coach Leo Isaac. Um, laid back players coach, Mr. Marvin Espiritu. Jim, he, uh, some of the, one of the best guys I met, that's not one word, but, uh, <laughs> yes. he, he helped me out and he was very patient. Uh, you know, I love Marv, uh, coach at Augustine. Mm. The, the A-bomb. That's all I can, <laughs> <laughs> I just know of his playing years. Yeah. Yes. Coach Jeff Carriasso. The Jet, um, great communicator. Coach Franklin, very authoritative. He was uh, military style. He's he, he yelled at me the first time I met him. <laughs> <laughs> And thinking that you know he also coached Sanbeda, which is your rival. <laughs> It was the rival. I th- I don't think I was there. I don't. We never got a sh- no. Actually, yeah. no. My first year, he was still there. Yeah, so he probably remembered some things. <laughs> I was, I, I never, I was, I wasn't too nice to Sam better. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Kagiwa. Legend. JJ Helderbrand. Also legend, but, um, uh, <laughs> Filipino Iverson. Yeah. Coach Koi Banal. Uh, good mentor. Mm-hmm. Greg Slaughter. Dominant. And of course your friend also, Chris Ellis. One of the most athletic, athleticism, athletic. I, I thought I was athletic, but this guy was uber athletic. He was crazy. See. Now, any message to your fans, friends, family who have stood beside you for the past couple of years? Oh, man. It's uh, that, that all the support that I've gotten. Um, I'm very, very blessed to, to have such a, a good foundation of family, friends, um, And fans, fans that still kind of reach out to me today, even though I've been away from the scene for all these years, um, there are a lot of faithful fans dating back to Hinebra. So mm-hmm. um, I appreciate the fan base so, so much um, because it's it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful just because I was good at you know putting a basketball into a hoop that I was able to um, touch all these people and um, they still kind of reach out to me. So, um, to all the fans that are watching and, um, you know, you guys were, were amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. Now, you know, James, we are very thankful to you, you know, for giving us the opportunity to talk to you. And of course, and also get, thank you. Get the people to, to get the chance to know you better after all these years, because I, for one was rooting for you to succeed, you know, uh, thank you so I much. still hope that, uh, for you, I still hope for the best, For you in all your endeavors, you know. So, you. 
It has been a great episode once again uh, here in Extra Session with Kiko Malikdem here in Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. This has been Kiko Malikdem. And like what I've been saying, games are always exciting if there is Extra Session. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit our website at www.guerrillapodcastsyndicate.com where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. You can also join the conversation with Gorillas RE on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please consider on making a donation to help us keep making the podcast you love. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com www.kangroofern.com